0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Freedom Talks. This is Brady, and I am here with three different therapists today. Um, We're gonna talk a little bit about handwriting. Uh, So our our special guest today is Courtney Kowalczyk. She's an occupational therapist that specializes in pediatrics. Um, We have Molly Ripberg, who's a a physical therapist at Freedom Physical Therapy. Um, I believe we'll be using her children to uh, kind of help discuss handwriting. Uh, And then we have Adrian Lukopoulos, Uh, She's an occupational therapist here at Freedom Physical Therapy, and kind of the way we found a relationship to Courtney, they both went to OT school together. Um, So guys, how is everybody doing?
1: Good. Good. All
0: right. So um, right off the bat, Courtney, why don't you just give us a quick little background about your um, kind of expertise and how you got into pediatrics and um, what you're going to share with us today as far as handwriting goes.
2: Sounds good. So my background is, like uh, Brady said, in pediatric occupational therapy. I really started liking the pediatric world um, after I did some ABA therapy um, back when I was in college. Um, From there, um, I had a a placement in a school setting, and then I went on to outpatient and birth to three services uh, through an agency in Milwaukee um, where I really developed my skills. And so today, my goal is just to... uh, Give some information on handwriting tips and things to kind of look for um, if you're concerned with your child's handwriting
0: all right so i guess uh let's let's kind of get right into our mini evaluation on on a writing mm-hmm. sample so molly um have you sent that over already or how are we doing this
3: yep yep um i took a couple pictures of my son sean who's nine um and some of his hand writing samples, just because as a parent and a therapist, um, I thought that he probably could use a little bit of help um, in making his penmanship better.
0: All right. So um, I guess just to kind of give everyone the situation that's listening, um, and we will post the video uh, online so that everybody can take a look at kind of what we might be doing. so Molly's going to be the mom, obviously. Um, Courtney is going to just ask Molly some questions. Um, and then Courtney's going to give us a summary of uh, Sean and, and his handwriting. So do we want to get started with that? Yep. OK. Yeah.
2: Yep. All right. So Molly, I guess what are your, some of your biggest concerns when you're looking at your son, son, Sean's handwriting? Um, just give me a brief kind of synopsis of what your biggest focus is and things that you would like to see improvements in.
3: Um, so what I noticed initially was that um, his penmanship has never been great. Um, mm-hmm. They did um, teach penmanship in about K-4 in his school, okay. um, but they really didn't focus on a ton of it like in, pre- in other years. Mm-hmm. Um, it has never truly been a huge problem, except in third grade now, um, they're doing a lot of writing. They're doing a lot of more test taking. Um, Mm -hmm. and some of the things that I noticed was that, um, his, his lettering was kind of all over. Um, and he would, he's been starting to get things marked wrong, not because he didn't know the answer. Um, but because like either you couldn't read it or he couldn't read it. And then he couldn't like solve the problem correctly because Mm -hmm. he couldn't read his own handwriting. Um, so I just, it was one of those things that, um, coming from a therapy background, I know that there's things that can be done to help him, um, improve his handwriting. And I'm not looking for, you know, calligraphy out of him, but just to the point where it's more legible. Um, and it, it looks more age appropriate.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Perfect. Um, so is he a righty or a lefty? He's a righty. He is a righty. Okay. And when he, is he um, in school right now or is he doing everything virtually? He is hybrid. So he goes to school
3: two days a week and then he's home three days a week.
2: Okay. Okay. So when, let's let's kind of focus when he's at home. Um, So when he's at home, is he sitting in a desk? Is he kind of sitting on his bed? What does his kind of situation look like? We try to do
3: all like work in um, a chair, like on a table, a chair and a table. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, is it a table that he's able to touch the floor with his feet or is he kind of just like dangling?
3: Um, we go back and forth. He, he dangles. Um,
2: sometimes okay. we put a stool underneath his feet and sometimes okay. it disappears. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, just so I can kind of get an idea of what he looks like when he um, is engaging in his handwriting. Um, yep. What type of pencil does he typically use in his handwriting?
3: Just like a wooden pencil. Like a, not
2: a, not a, um, mechanical. Like a standard, not a mechanical, just a standard pencil. Okay, perfect. Anything like a grip or anything like that, that he uses?
3: I just got him some grippers, hoping that possibly that would help, um, him hold the pencil better.
2: What does the grip look like?
3: Um, it's like the, the pincher, like the, like the, the thumb, so it's the right grip
2: i i did make sure as okay. a therapist that he was holding his pencil correctly <laughs> um so when can you do you have a pencil by chance um, like um. i thumb wrap and it's functional for me how would you say that he holds his pencil okay perfect so yep all right so okay grasp um when he is writing would you say he is using a lot of force or is he just kind of like a loosey-goosey. He,
3: um, I didn't realize it, but he's very light. He does not press okay. hard into the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if I am watching him, like, in I can cue him to press harder, mm-hmm. it, his penmanship is better, but it's very, okay. like, he's very light.
2: Okay. Um, do you feel like he fatigues at all?
1: When um, he's writing?
2: Do you feel like he's shaking out his wrist, maybe massaging his hand, anything like that? No,
3: but I do think, like when you look at his writing that like there has to be some fatigue in his muscles because okay. by the time he's at the bottom, it's not great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just kind of looking at the samples that I've seen as well. It looks like he um, is fatiguing out towards the end, which is pretty typical. Just, just showing me some, you know, maybe some weakness in there. Um, but just, just to see if you notice anything, if he like stopped halfway through and you saw him like massaging his hand or anything like that. No. No. Okay. Um, when he is writing kind of his positioning, is he using, you said he's a righty. So is he Mm -hmm. using his left hand to stabilize that paper at all? Is it down on his side? Um, what is that left hand really doing?
3: Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think it's down by his side, but I don't know if he's stabilizing the paper or not with it.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, random questions, scissor skills. How would you say his scissor skills are? Um, they're probably
3: fair. Um, okay. they're not horrible. Um, okay. but I, again, I think there's some strength, like mm-hmm. issues.
2: Yeah. Um, now kind of like day-to-day activities, um, do you, what does he like to play with or do during the day? Um, Legos. Does he like to play video games? He likes Legos. Like- Legos. Legos. Okay, perfect. When he is playing with his Legos, do you notice any type of fatigue there?
3: No, no. We could do that for hours. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay. And when you say Legos, is it the little itty bitty Legos or are they the bigger ones? The little ones. Little ones. Okay. Perfect. i um, just running down my list of questions up here. So kind of going back to, um, I'm all over the place here, no, <laughs> going okay. back to some of his handwriting. So when he is free writing versus copying, do you notice the difference in his handwriting? Yes.
3: At least at the beginning, okay. like when he's copying something, um, it's much more clear at the beginning. Um,
2: okay.
3: it kind of fades away as he gets into yeah. it, but definitely better than just free writing.
2: When he is capping, so when I was looking at um, his writing samples, I'm noticing some, like, spatial errors and then just some, like, floating letters and things like that. Does mm-hmm. he do c- proper um, spacing and letter formation, or is that still pretty consistent across the board?
3: Um, he, I mean, he he we're, – we're working on, like, better spacing of letters, okay. whereas, like yep. – um, for a while, I felt like, you know, the O, the uh, lowercase O and, like, a capital P would be, like, the same size. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, we've gone back to, like, more of the um, thicker lined paper, and we're okay. working on, like, that letter formation
2: again. Okay. Okay. Um, and then all of on all of his um, work that he's required to do in class, is it in that, like, wide ruled paper? No. No. Okay. What does he typically use in a classroom setting? Um like the the
3: um regular spiral notebook, like not the okay. wide like the regular spaced.
2: Like co- like college ruled or no, I think wide. it's the wide rule, but like, okay, wide
3: rule. like one line for each one line.
2: Okay. Verse, yeah. Um and then for his requirements for school, is he supposed to skip every line? Is he supposed to write in every line every um? um
3: so after I brought this to the teacher's attention, like she has asked him now to do every other line, okay. but all, like, I mean, in a, like she, the rest of the kids in the class are using every line.
2: Okay. 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 All right. I think that's pretty much it for my questions. Um, just getting a better idea of things that you're seeing when he is handwriting, um, mm-hmm. and then just some basic knowledge from
1: my standpoint. So I think, Courtney, so taking into what you find then, um, is there certain, like, a diagnosis that you would give him or, like, any suggestions that you would give him to start working on to improve the hand yeah. writing? So
2: it sounds like um, a little bit of just some generalized weakness. One question I forgot to ask, was he, was he a crawler? No.
3: So, I mean, he crawled okay. a little bit, but it was a very short time. He basically okay. went from like sitting to almost like walking with furniture.
2: Okay. Yeah. So one of the reasons I asked that is um, when you're crawling, that's really when you develop those shoulder girdle muscles, which then um, helps with that intrinsic hand strengthening, which is great for handwriting. So I think that what I would do for like a formal diagnosis was just be some like generalized weakness um, with then an emphasis on making sure that we're understanding correct letter formation and then spatial awareness as well. Um, and so From that standpoint, that would be kind of like my treatment diagnosis. Um, It wouldn't be some major diagnosis. It would just be something simple like generalized weakness.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, are there um, certain diagnoses that you see um, kids have more difficulty with handwriting than other? I'm trying to think of an example, Um, like somebody that has low tone, anything Mm -hmm. like that.
2: Yeah. So typically um, kids that have lower tone will have a little bit of a harder time with handwriting. If you think about it, that um, takes a little bit more recruitment in order for them to engage in an activity. So you may see some more fatigue, but it doesn't really sound like that's an, um, a problem here. Like that endurance factor is there. It's pretty typical that kids will start to feel some fatigue towards the end of an assignment. Um, but it's if he was, you know, stopping halfway through and massaging his hands, rolling out wrist things like that then i'd be a little bit more concerned with that lower tone but it sounds like to me he's got pretty average tone just given his play um choices as well like the small legos that shows to me that he's probably got that average tone so i'm not too concerned about tone but on cases where i have been working on kids with handwriting um low tone was definitely something that i would see um maybe diagnosed maybe not um just sometimes some people could be on that lower end of the spectrum when it comes to average tone
0: so could you just quickly explain tone uh age for like the average person? Like what what are you looking at when you look for high versus low tone? What does that mean to the layman's person?
1: <laughs> oh, layman's terms. Ah, yeah. oh, great question. Um so there are certain diagnoses that you just commonly associate with low tone. Um, Down syndrome is an example of one. Um, even kids with hypermobility. Um, but
0: what, e- it, what is low tone?
1: I know. I'm okay. getting there. So right. like um, patients with EDS, that's a new diagnosis that we're seeing pop up a lot. Um, so that just means that um, your muscles are not able to don't have the correct strength a lot of times you see that they can't stabilize the joints as well either um, so they just lack the strength in order to complete in this case handwriting tasks but even across the board just basic activities of daily living as well Um, so you work on a lot of strengthening with them so that they can stabilize the joints that they need to all
0: right Um, so just some like notes that I had kind of found interesting from kind of that whole evaluation was um, when you were talking about the stool and you were like, well, sometimes he uses it, sometimes he doesn't. Like how hard is compliance when, you know, correcting these things and treating these things?
2: Um, I think compliance is a huge factor to consider when addressing handwriting. Um obviously, he's a nine-year-old boy. Nine-year-old boys maybe want to get their work done faster because then they get to go do something a little bit more fun. Or maybe, you know, it's really that mom or dad that's pushing that compliance. And if they're busy and they're not able to sit over, um, sit with them every single night to do their homework, then you'll see a little bit less compliance. So I think if there's, a, you know, multiple factors that um, kind of inhibit or limit compliance. Um, But that's something to definitely take into consideration. Another thing to take into consideration is their environment as well. So maybe if they're sitting at, you know, a kitchen table, you may see a little bit better work versus in a classroom setting, because in a classroom setting, there's a lot more distractions going on, whether it's light or a kid getting up to go to the bathroom or teachers talking, there's a lot more things that go into handwriting that would distract a child. Um, So I think those are things to take into consideration and also be aware that um handwriting will differ when you're um engaged in different tasks like you and I so you know as I'm taking notes here my handwriting is not that great but if I were to sit down and you know take the time to rewrite them my handwriting would look awesome so it's something to also be aware of
1: um and just for like parents if they're listening to this can you can the parent refer them to have an eval for handwriting or does that have to come from the teacher or who can do that
2: Um, so from a school standpoint or from like an outpatient pediatric? uh,
1: Either way, either way.
0: Why don't we do both? So
2: for, okay. So for a school setting, um, I believe I'm saying this correctly. (laughs) Uh, so from a school setting, a child would have to have some either a, great impairment to qualify under having an IEP, which is the individual education plan. So typically students that have an IEP have some form of formal diagnosis, whether it's from a school or from an outside provider. Um, But there's kind of a catch-all and it's called a it's under Section 504. Um, and so that is really for kids who don't have a formal diagnosis but could benefit from services. So sometimes it really depends on I think the teacher would kind of have to push that or a parent would have to push that to show that it's a major concern um, in order for the school district to do something. Now, the, uh, you know, the school may be like, well, that's just their handwriting. That's something you can work on at home. Um, it really depends on the school district and kind of what else is going on. If there's you know behavioral concerns in there as well that may you know handwriting may get looped into there but ultimately it's up to the school so that really depends on the school whether or not they're going to classify under that as under section Title four From an outpatient perspective a parent could ideally come to a clinic and say I you know I'm just concerned about generalized strengthening handwriting's a concern and you may be able to get some services from there um for me personally I have worked on a few kids with handwriting um but again it was that parent referral and it uh, was something that they brought up to I want to say their pediatrician their pediatrician kind of just maybe brushed it off a little bit but the parent was still concerned so it's ultimately that kind of parent's push that would allow that child to get
1: into therapy and bouncing off I have a question sorry
3: oh. yeah, um so like when like I mean I feel like I'm a little different just because I'm in the therapy world but like mm-hmm. when would a parent who has no kind of knowledge about like strength or like how would they know like this is a problem or like they should seek maybe like ask their pediatrician or seek an OT or that sort of thing
2: yeah yeah Uh, So a lot of the times um, I ask parents, when did you first start noticing it? And a lot of them said, you know, it's when I'm walking down the hallway and kids have posters up of their work or writing samples up and their child's handwriting just looks a little different. That's kind of usually when their you know, brain starts thinking, hmm, maybe I should talk to somebody about this. Um, and so I think it really depends on the parent and whether or not it's a concern for a parent. Um, some parents are not concerned about handwriting at all. Um, and so they may not bring it up. So uh, the biggest thing that I've noticed is when they've noticed that something is different from their same age peers is when parents typically bring it up to me or other healthcare professionals. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, so, and then one one other just kind of interesting tip that I, or not tip, but interesting thing that I noticed was that you had asked about the, the Legos to kind of assess um, other activities and whether that would be um, relevant. I just thought that was a really cool, like tidbit that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. as an occupational therapist, you guys are recognizing those kind of daily activities of living and um, how those affect uh what's going on with a certain condition. Um, So I I, I thought that was good.
2: Yeah, in this day and age, a lot of kids love their electronics, which is great because there's a time and a place for them, but sometimes they aren't necessarily the most great for foundations. Um, So a lot of the times when I'd be working primarily with my younger ones you know mom and dad would be like they, they love their ipad i'm like that's great i'm so glad that they love their ipad but now we're seeing some strength deficits so let's get them some blocks something that they can stack something that they can manipulate with their hands to make sure that they're meeting um you know their strength goals and things like that so it's just something that i like to ask but then it also is great for me so that when i'm thinking about treatment ideas something that i know that they already like so that i can make handwriting more fun because sometimes handwriting is not the most fun for kids especially if they're struggling with it.
0: Uh and then uh, one other question that just kind of popped in my head was <clears throat> with the you know with the everybody's virtual uh, some, a lot of kids are at home right now um
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like you said with the with the video games and all that kind of stuff and even in schools with how relevant it is to know how to use a computer um and how often now that even as you grow up it's all email text that's how we communicate um how much mm-hmm. emphasis has switched to like typing um, and keyboarding skills and using a, a computer, and has that had a detrimental effect on on kids learning how to handwrite?
2: Um, so I think there's. There's a couple of things. So I think there's been a big, bigger push um, in schools to really focus on that handwriting and that K4, K5, but then not really after that. Um, They're really pushing, you know, that educational instruction, which is great because obviously kids are able to, you know, learn a lot more information. We're not taking that time for penmanship, but on the flip side, handwriting never really going to go away like you're always going to need to know how to write and you want it to be legible so that everybody knows what you're trying to say um so i think that has something to do with it but then also i'm noticing that more and more schools are putting um typing goals into kids' IDPs or pushing, um, you know, learning those keystrokes at our younger age, um, which is awesome because we're moving into more of that digital world. So I think, you know, it's trying to find that balance of addressing those handwriting concerns and maybe taking that time in the first, second grade, whether it's 15, 20 minutes a week um, to work on that handwriting, but then also working on that technology piece. So it's finding that balance, I think would be really awesome. Do I have the answer for that? No, but I think that's something that um, needs to maybe be considered in the near future, just because um, I'm noticing a lot more you know, parents would come to me and be like, "I I don't know what to do. That their handwriting, they're you know missing letter formation. Their spacing is off. They're, it's just it's not being taught the way that you and I were taught handwriting in school."
1: something from an orthopedic OT standpoint too is with all these electronics mm-hmm. a lot of kids aren't doing them at a table they're slouched in bed or on the couch. Mm-hmm. so we're seeing a lot of decreased core strength and scapular mm-hmm. so shoulder strength. Um, so even mm-hmm. then when they do go to do handwriting, they don't have the just the general muscle strength yeah. to maintain it as well. So um, mm-hmm. you know with kids working on a lot of core strength, a lot of uh, strong shoulder strengthening things will be good to help with that just in general yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th-
0: mm-hmm. I think that's a really good segue into kind of, um, you know, talking about just general inactivity maybe in today's youth compared to maybe 10, 20 years ago, and um, how maybe an, ortho- or an occupational therapist uh, like Age, who's in an orthopedic setting, is going to view things versus what uh, Courtney might see um, in her setting. Um, in more of maybe a functional setting. Is that kind of a good way to summarize
1: it? Yeah, so like in an outpatient orthopedic setting, so um, like Courtney looks specifically at like the lettering, we'll take a sample. So I'll look more at like strength. So I'll take... Look at grip strength, pinch strength, um, specific muscle strength, so the shoulder strength itself. And I'll do, um, I can test the specific muscles to see and look at how they compare against the norms, and maybe we can link um, some of the norms um, for grip strengthening. Um, So then we focus on, like, you know, in the clinic, we'll do, I would say, like boring exercises for kids where it's really focused. you know, some examples would be like rows to help with scapular strengthening, some um, stability ball work that help strengthen the shoulder or girdle. There's these really tiny hand muscles called your intrinsic muscles um, that help with that fine motor task of holding the pencil and being able to manipulate it. So we have different things like therapy putty that we can do with kids. Um, Some things you can do at home that are fun. You know, the holidays are coming up. Have them help bake some cookies and practice mixing. That can help with some shoulder strengthening. Um, Even Play-Doh or if you do... um, You can make those like ornaments that, you know, helping make those, um, is something fun that you can do just with the holidays coming up. Um, but even having them play outside, you know, building, you know, snowballs and practicing throwing, those are all different ways that you can do that shoulder strength at home. You know, I know a lot of people aren't going anywhere and a lot of people don't want to come to a clinic just with COVID going on. So those are some ways you can do that at home as well.
0: So Courtney, do you do a lot of that in your treatment as well, or is it focused in a different direction?
2: would say yeah I look at you know activities or games that would challenge a kid's hand strength core strength um, shoulder strength all of those things so I think about it just in more of like a kid aspect Um, but I also look at like functional activities too so sometimes my kids with handwriting may be struggling with buttons and zippers and manipulation of small objects so incorporating that into kind of my treatment plan as well so I just kind of look at like In general, what are areas that this child is struggling with, and what are ways that I can address it in a fun manner? So maybe I'll come up with like a zipping task or a buttoning task where it's a game, but we're also working on intrinsic hand strength. We're looking at manipulation of objects and things like that. So I'm basically doing the same thing as Adrian, just in a kid-friendly way. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Um.
0: So. Just in general, Courtney, could you just kind of give us maybe some of the most common diagnoses you see and kind of uh, the most common kind of kid you might work with in terms of like these handwriting diagnoses or just in general where where you work currently? Yeah,
2: Yeah, um, so I think some... So this is a really broad question. Sure. Um, some general like diagnoses that I would see, um, you know, ADHD would be a good one because sometimes we, we may have a really hard time with attention to tasks. So really bringing, focusing on that attention to tasks which then also correlates into hand um, handwriting. Sometimes I see kids with autism. Um, again, it's that whole attention to task piece, some kids with lower tone, whether it may be, you know, Down syndrome or maybe we may have some kids with higher tone like CP coming up with alternatives to handwriting, you know, looking at ways that we can modify the task so that they're able to engage. So really I see a whole kind of array of kids. Um, but I think the biggest one would be, um, my kids with ADHD would say I've seen a lot of, and then kids with just generalized weakness as well.
0: Okay. Um, and, Age, I don't know if you've necessarily – you you don't see a lot of kids uh, in practice, do you?
1: Um, Not a ton ton of younger kids, I would say. I've seen some high schoolers. Um, I've been seeing a lot more of kids with a diagnosis of EDS or Ehlers-Danlos. So that's becoming – I wouldn't say it's becoming common, but it was so misdiagnosed or – just not diagnosed at all, even though these kids had that. So I'm starting to see a lot more patients coming in with that diagnosis. Um, And in that, we focus on the strengthening aspect so they can stabilize the joints. A lot of them have a lot of pain, and that's just because their muscles are overworking to try to stabilize. Um, So if we can help them strengthen, then they don't have to deal with that pain so much, and they can complete their tasks um, pain-free is always the goal.
0: Molly, I do have a, a question for you. Um, so this is obviously, I think a very OT centric topic, not that a PT would see generally. Um, have you experienced anything in this realm or with anybody that you might treat? And now uh, we're also talking to Molly who specializes in treating, uh, older individuals. Uh, so, so I don't know, Molly, how, how often would you encounter something like this if at all, or, uh, would you have any patients generally that you might think about referring to an OT for something in this realm?
3: Yes, actually, um, (laughs) I got certified in Parkinson's this winter. Um, and one of the issues with Parkinson's patients as they progress through, um, the diagnosis is their handwriting gets worse because of everything that they're doing. Um, so I'll, be interested to see with some of my parkinson's patients putting into effect some of the stuff that both Courtney and Adrian talked about um, if it can help them maintain their penmanship longer um, as their disease progresses
0: and Courtney would, would you ever see someone like that like ha, have you ever seen someone like that or or consider seeing something like that or is that someone maybe with a different specialty I
2: think when it comes to parkinson's yeah.
0: yeah. Have you seen an older, older individuals for handwriting or anything like that?
2: I have not. No, no,
0: okay. no, no.
2: no. <laughs> I would, I would probably push that one off maybe a little bit. I I would be happy to, you know, give some tips and ideas that I would try for kids. Um, obviously with it being in mind that it is a child, so maybe yeah. a little bit of tweaking, but, uh, I have not personally,
0: no. Okay. All right. Um, did I, did I miss anything big on this topic? Courtney, is there anything that you're you know, when you're thinking about it, that you really think it's an important message that everybody hear.
2: Um, step on my soapbox for a few seconds. Sure. So I know a lot of times um, parents are all like, they just got such a big weird grasp. You know, like I've seen grasp where kids are like this, and they're like this, and they're like they do a thumb wrap like I do, and I just wanted to make it kind of stated um, that the grasp does not always mean that a child will have poor penmanship. And I think for so many parents to be like, well, I I think it's, I think it's their grasp. I think it's their grasp, which yes, maybe they have a grasp that would cause them to fatigue a little bit more or whatever it may be. Um, but that's not the end all be all. And so I think that's something important for parents to also consider is, you know, changing the grasp on a child could actually probably Cause them to have a little bit worse handwriting than if you were to just leave the grasp and look at the bigger picture and do some more strengthening, whether it's intrinsic strengthening, shoulder strengthening, working on positioning, whatever it may be. And so that's one thing that I really tried to educate my parents on is that um, the grasp isn't everything. And so just keeping that in mind is if when you're working with kids, um, if you start seeing more kids, Adrian, uh, just (laughs) keeping that, you know, that. The grasp is in everything and you can modify other things to kind of accommodate that. Yeah.
0: All right, Courtney, um, I guess, is there like a, are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? Not personally in a <laughs> professional sense or anything like that? Is, is there anywhere we can I find am, you?
2: Yeah, I am on uh, LinkedIn professionally. You can okay. find me on there. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> um, yeah. So anytime you guys have any questions, happy to answer anything.
0: All right, Courtney Kowalczyk, we'll, we'll probably try to include that link somewhere in, in descriptions where we post. And um, um, if you ever need anything, reach out to her. Um, always, uh, as always, you can reach out to Freedom Physical Therapy uh, and we can connect you with uh, the people that you need to be connected with, whether that's an occupational therapist here uh, or an occupational therapist like Courtney, who uh, obviously is a little bit more suited to helping those kids uh, in, a, in an appropriate environment. Uh, Thank you all for coming on uh, and discussing. Um, And if I didn't miss anything, then I think we can say goodbye. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal, starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com.